Superman Movie Minute that show the scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies. 1978 Superman the Movie, starring Christopher Reeve, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me through this journey of time, through time and space, is Chris Franklin. How, Chris? Hello, Rob. How are you? Did I just say how, Chris? I think I meant to say howdy, Chris, but I said how, Chris. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm doing. So I'm only, only 19 episodes in, and I'm still flubbing the intros. We're doing bad Native American stereotypes from 50s movies. In that truck. So, well, no, we all love Apache Chief here. So, anyway, uh, the minutes we're here to talk about are minutes 91 through 95. They start with Superman giving Lois the AOK sign while they're still flying uh, through the air. And it closes with uh, Lex Luthor talking about how a certain number is his weight and Otis's IQ. Or the other way around, Otis's weight and his IQ, of course. Again, I've got it screwed up again. So uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to unpack in these five minutes. Unlike the previous five minutes, where we're just the scene with Superman and Lois. This has uh, got a lot more uh, different uh, th- things to talk about. So uh, the, the, the first thing we see in the, these five minutes is, um, as uh, Richard Donner calls it, space bird. We see a space bird way high up. And as, as Richard Donner says in the commentary, he has a series now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I mean... Uh, I know last episode I said, let's not get into the physics here, but yeah, that bird is flying really high. I mean, just... <laughs> you hear in the commentary, you hear Tom Manko would say, that bird's really high up. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think birds fly above clouds, but okay, you know, whatever. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, so this, and uh, so it ends again, the, the whole, can you read me my thing? And it has a really beautiful shot of where Superman goes vertical and holds Lois as they zip through the clouds. And it's really beautifully and balletic. And it's, it's a particularly, uh, I think it's probably my favorite of the physical movements of the scene. It's probably my favorite. It's just really very pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. And, and uh, like you pointed out last time, Lois tells him she's cold. Yeah. I mean, yep. you know, they don't speak, but she's like, makes a kind of shivering thing. And he's like, are you cold? And she's like, yeah. And so that's why they go back. So yep. yeah, Clark, she's cold. Yeah, they're they're, they're fifty thousand feet up, and she's in like a nighty for Pete's sakes, you know. I mean, what do you want her to do, you know? So, so they land uh, back at Lois's apartment, and then they there's the whole mentioning of oh they forgot to time us, and she's like what? Because she's she's staring so moonily at him. Uh, But uh, we'll have to maybe do it another time. And so she's still kind of stunned and just staring at him, and then he takes off. He he wanders off. He's he says good night to her, and. he, he, he leaves and goes off for more adventures. And this is the moment where there is one of the movie's great how-did-they-do-that sequences, which is, of course, Superman taking off. We watch Margot Kidder, Lois Lane. I keep doing that interchangeably. We watch Lois uh, as Superman takes off. He gives her the, the, the high sign, which is great, a little salute. He flies off. We see him. And again, he banks again. I love that whole thing where he banks. It's just so great. And then we watch Lois... Uh, talk about what a what a great she says what a superman superman and so this, this is something that the movie added to the canon where it's lois that names superman not uh, not himself it's uh, he she's the one who comes up with the name yeah i i really like that i mean they've done it in different ways over the years like you know john byrne did it to where he didn't have the costume yet he didn't have the s on his chest when he saved that space plane famously in, in Man of Steel number one. But uh, it, it works so much better for the Superman character to not name himself Superman. Yeah, you know? really. I mean, because he's too humble of a character. 
Uh, that's part of his personality that he is so humble and so modest. So you can't imagine this guy ever naming himself Superman. Right. Uh, and of course the crypt, the, the S on his chest is a Kryptonian, the house of L crest in this version. It doesn't stand for hope. It stands for L, uh, right. <laughs> in this version. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I, I really like that. I, I think that's, uh, that's a neat bit. And it was, it was you, Rob, who finally, told me how they did this. I just oh, never, okay. I never thought about it when we were doing the, the uh, uh, film and water episode on Superman, the movie, you told me that rear projection, that's how they Superman uh, Christopher Reeve in that scene was rear projected yep. uh, previously filmed sequence. And, but it's so well done and it looks so well. Cause a lot of times rear projection looks horrible. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I even brought it up then, but like, you know, there's, there's a scene in the Superman uh, serials where Kirk Allen stops a train and he's standing in front of, rear, of a rear projected train. And it's so obvious that he's just standing in front of a screen. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I know that's an old cheap serial. I'm not trying to pick on it. I, I enjoy those, but, uh, but yeah, for years I tried to figure out how in the heck did they do this? It's one shot because mm-hmm. Lois goes to her apartment dazed and who's at her door, but Clark Kent. Right. <laughs> It's a great, it's a great shot because yeah, you always did wonder how the hell they do it, and to to ruin it uh, just for everybody in case you haven't figured it out. Right around the point where Lois walks through the the shrubbery that she has, right around the one thirty two, forty two second mark, she walks off because when when she's watching Superman take off, as you just mentioned, that's rear projection. So she is watching a movie of Superman at that point. And then at the around 132, 42, she stops and pivots. And that's when she says Superman, which is great. It's a great idea to, to make the viewer focus on what she's saying and not the background. Uh, she stops there. She walks off of that portion of the set onto another portion of the set. And now the background is no longer a screen. The background is the background. And then she continues on. And, of course, during that whole time is Christopher Reeve waiting in his Clark Kent costume. So that's how they do it. So he he was never Superman in that moment at all. She was watching a movie. And it's just so well edited and so put together uh, so perfectly that you don't notice it. And it's, you know, we've, we've gone on a little bit about CGI. And, you know, you don't want to be an old fart. And like, oh, everything was better in the old days. But, you know, now, thanks to computers... There is no ability to wow an audience with a shot anymore no. because you just know, well, they just did it in a computer. In the old days, you could say, you know, you would be like, my God, how did they do that? How did they, how did they get the camera in that? I mean, Orson Welles' Touch of Evil opens with like a four and a half minute unbroken shot where it follows somebody in a car, then inside a building and all this other kind of stuff. And Paul Thomas Anderson did that in Boogie Nights where he f- had a camera follow someone off a diving board underwater and then back out of the water. And it's, you know, right. you're just like, oh, my God. But you can't do that now. No one is going to be stunned by a shot anymore because, you know, it can all just be faked with computers. But back in the old days, 78, they had to do it, you know, physically. And so it is kind of a nice shot of that we see Superman and Clark Kent all in one sequence. And I, I really enjoy the detail of when Lois gets to the door that she has like seven locks on her door, which indicates what it was like living in the metropolis slash New York City in the mid 70s. Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it takes forever to like unlock the door and let Clark in. Yeah, yeah. that's good. That's a good point. Yeah. I love that. It's like un- unlatch this thing and move this chain and do that. I think, and then unscrew this deadbolt. It's a good, that's a great. That's a great. Even you know, Lois has to worry. Even though she has the penthouse apartment, she still has to worry about it, which I thought was a really nice moment. So yeah, then Clark arrives and he asks her, "Have you been drinking?" He does the little thing with his hand to indicate and been drinking, and uh, he says he even mimics flying at one point with his hand where he does the whole bit about you know he's maybe gonna take off and i we have this scene again it's a mirror shot where we see lois go into her bedroom to change and he uh for a moment he contemplates revealing his secret and it's it's really um beautifully done because we see how christopher reeve could manipulate his body just by standing there transforming himself from Clark Kent into Superman. I mean, it's all just one shot, but we see the way that he holds himself, he takes his glasses off, and just the way he squares his shoulders, he literally does transform from one character to the next while just standing there. It's a remarkable physical transformation considering it's all just an actor just just doing some bits. Right. I mean, he's doing what the comics told us Clark Kent did, but to see it in action, I mean, he literally grows like like several inches. (laughs) I mean, he stands up straight and he throws his shoulders back, takes his glasses off his whole face, you know, his neck, his head isn't scrunched up into his neck anymore. And he puts a juts that square jaw out and he's standing there, even though he's in Clark Kent's suit, he's Superman. And, you know, he's, he's smiling and he kind of shakes his glasses back and forth on his hand. And he, and he, and then he, he thinks about, you know, he actually thinks about telling Lois. I mean, what, what, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, I I think it's you know I mean this early in the game, I could totally see why he'd be like, why am I going through this with her? You know, so uh, yeah, I mean you could chuck it up to him being new at this that you really can't you know I mean you've just met her Clark you really can't reveal this big of a secret but at the same time, I'm sure he's looking at this as like this is a hassle you know having to like play this double game. For so long, and I love that Christopher Reeve lowers his voice because when he talks to his Clark, he kind of has this slight, you know, I'm obviously yeah. butchering yeah. it, but he has yeah. a little more of a wormy thing. And then when he's like, "Lois, there's something I have to tell you," I mean, it's it's the same thing that Bud Collier did on the old radio show where he would lower his voice an octave because he was like, "I'm Clark Kent transforming into Superman," and it's yeah. he does the same thing, uh, and right. it's it, it's great that they handle that in this one moment. And of course, they dispense with it in the very next movie. This was not a and it's funny, they did the same thing in um, Man of Steel. You know, when you think about how, I think writers got got tired of having to do this double act and make Lois look silly or whatever that she can't figure out. So they, the writers always seemingly want to dispense with it as soon as they can. But, of course, he, he comes to his senses because he can't tell her this soon, you know. And, of course, she's not even paying attention. Um, right. They get to the door and he talks about it and she has the great line, that's Clark, nice. <laughs> and they wander out. Yeah, and he gives the grin, he gives the knowing Superman, the Christopher Reeve grin that is almost like the wink at the camera for us yep. uh, that, that he does several times in, in these movies. And I, there's several things in this scene I really, really like. Like, it, But it, there's some questions like, did, did she agree to go on a date with Clark before or after she knew she was meeting with Superman? Yeah, I know. So, yeah. so you know, it's like, and is, is this really a date date or is Clark thinking this is a date and they're just going to go out and get 
something to eat because they're dressed really nice. And he says, I think we're just going to get a hamburger. You know, it's like, really, Clark? You're going to take her out for a hamburger? You're in a suit and she's dressed like that. And you're going to take this woman out (laughs) for a hamburger? At least go get her a steak, man. Come on. Take her to a play or something. Yeah, what what a a cheap date Clark is. You get her going for a hamburger. I'm like, oh, my God. Although, you know, I don't know, Chris. You you and Cindy have been together a really long time. And so I don't know if you've had experience with this. I've had experiences where – I went out with a woman who I thought I was going on a date with them, but uh, I was not. Uh, so, well, I know that particular pain of missed communications. It's a, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. I've had the opposite effect. I had I had uh, I was out on a date with a girl and didn't know it. Look at you, Mister Player over here. Wow, nice job, Chris. And I found out too late when she went off with some other guy because she got mad because okay. apparently I wasn't aware there was a date. But. Wow. I, that, that mustache you had back then really uh, really helped you. Uh, you really had some game going on, Chris. I, I applaud you. Look what it did for Burt Reynolds all those yeah, years, right? It was a, it was a huge thing. <laughs> huge thing for Burt Reynolds. So, and there's a reason why uh, I would have loved to have seen those Justice League scenes with Superman with his mustache, by the way. It would have been great. <laughs> That's right. Uh, one other thing, you know, you mentioned Christopher Reeve's voice. Um, recently, his, his change from Clark to Superman. Recently, I watched... Uh, the original making of Superman documentary again. I'd seen it years ago, but uh, it's on it's on the DVD and Blu-ray sets. You can find it on there. And Christopher Reeve hosts this, uh, and it's you know actual uh, you know behind the scenes uh, filming of the movie during the filming of the movie, and he even talks in that about how they basically reshot a lot of his Clark Kent scenes uh, because they felt like. After the fact, after they'd filmed him playing Clark, he felt, and I guess Richard Donner agreed, that he was playing Clark a little too broad, hmm. that, they, that they toned down Clark's – I mean he was apparently a complete mess all the time, and they thought that that was maybe too much. And so you know, they left just little hints that you – know, uh, you know, little hints that he wasn't quite as uh, bumbling and incompetent as, as he was – uh, appeared at other times. So I, you know, it's, it, it always, now that I know that it always makes me wonder sometimes because when Lois comes in, he gets super nasally. He's like, I really was uh, nervous mm-hmm. about the night, you know? And it's like, I wonder if that was a shot left over from the first version or that was just Christopher Reeve saying, well, he would go deep into Clark trying to convince her, you know, because she walks back into the room and she's still in such a daze she doesn't see him standing there without his glasses yeah, on. Yeah, yep, yeah. He's standing, he's standing with his glasses off. And as she walks past him, he puts them back on, and she's walking toward the big mirror that's behind him. Uh, but uh, but I just think that's interesting that, you know, uh, that Christopher Reeve tweaked his Clark Kent uh, portrayal while they were filming this, that he, he dialed it back uh, to, you know uh, – because uh, I know some people, even like our, our friend Bob Fisher, have a little bit of a problem with the Clark Kent portrayal. So it makes me makes me wonder if he if they kept it dialed up to eleven, as you know, Spinal Tap reference. If he'd uh, <laughs> Spinal Tap minute. Yeah. If it <laughs> if uh, what people would have thought about his Clark Kent, you know, because uh, you know I know some people do do have a little bit of a problem with that. So he he did rein it in at some points. So that's interesting to know. I would say that the, this take on Clark Kent is probably the biggest break from the TV show version because, of course, the TV Clark Kent 
was a pretty tough guy. I mean, he, he was mm. mild, but he would punch gangsters, and you know, I mean, he was he had that big boxy suit, and he was no he was not a milk toast guy. So th- this is definitely uh, a, a change from that of where he is kind of a nebbish. And you're right, Lois when she walks back out of her bedroom, she is looking right at Clark for a good two three seconds, and he's standing. Superman's in her living room right now. Yeah. And because yeah. she's in such a daze, she doesn't even notice. But yeah, I forgot how long it goes on. I, I kept remembering that he puts the glasses on before she comes back out. But she does. He doesn't. He's he's still holding them while she's just like, eh, okay, whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, even I thought we were, I forgot to mention when when they land, which the landing is really nice on the terrace. But she keeps holding on to him mm. as he pulls away, and she's just like so like lost in his eyes, and she's got his her arm still around his neck that he actually has to kind of. Say, uh, you know, she, he pulls away and then she's still holding on. So he kind of pulls back and then she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Understandable. It's, it's, it's cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice. So after Lois and Clark uh, go out for their their hamburger, uh, we cut back down to uh, Park Avenue or below Park Avenue where we see uh, the next day. I guess it's the next day. I guess Lois filed her story that night, which is pretty amazing uh, considering the deadlines you need on the newspaper publishing. But the next morning, uh, we see Miss Tessmacher and Otis reading the Daily Planet, and it has the headline, I spent the night with Superman, which shows that Lois, A, is still not off writing lurid headlines, uh, you know, <laughs> rapist, brassiere, massacre. But she's also good at writing clickbaity headlines, you know, like if Lois was writing for the Internet today, she would be writing like, you know, I had a date with Superman. Click here to see what happened. You know, she would be writing those total clickbaity headlines. So she, right. she would fit in quite well with today's modern journalism. Yeah, she'd be a TMZ reporter. Or yeah, something. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could have written that so many different ways. Uh, I interview Superman, meet Superman, but no, I spent the night with Superman. They guarantee this was one of the highest selling editions of the Daily Planet in a long time. And why does Superman look so pissed in that picture? Know, Have you ever noticed? Really that? Mad, yeah. He looks like it looks like a scene later from when he's in Luthor's lair and he's like, Where's the detonator? You know, that's yeah. that's the kind of that's, <laughs> that's what it looks like. He's got that look on his face. I'll mold this into your prison bars. Yeah. You know, that's, that's <laughs> Oh, I'm spoiling ahead, sorry. That's okay. uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I love Miss Tessmacher's outfit, her business outfit. I think that's yeah. looks really sharp. Like a very good gun mall type look to it and uh we see lex as he's climbing up on the the bookshelves he goes and he talks about uh people can uh, read war and peace and come away that it's thinking it's just a simple adventure story while reading a chewing gun wrapper and unlocking the secrets of the universe now i am wondering in the shot where we see lex way high up you see how covered in cobwebs those books are yes why they can't have been there that long like, why are they so dusty? This this whole this whole base that he just established has only it's only been there a couple of years. So why is everything so dusty? I never understood that. It really makes you wonder how what what has this Lex Luthor done before? What I mean, because you know when spoiling ahead again, you know the warden at the end seems to know who Lex Luthor is. The cops knew who Lex Luthor yeah, was. Yeah. Uh, they were trailing Otis. They knew he was a known accomplice of Lex Luthor. What is the history, the the the, the criminal record of this version of Lex yep. Luthor? What has he done before? Because he obviously, I thought the same thing. I had never noticed how cobwebby and dusty the bookshelves are, but they are covered in them, and it's like he had to have had this place for years. Yep. <laughs> 
was 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 Lex Luthor in this universe behind the Kennedy assassination or something? I mean, uh, he's I don't... A, a classic recidivist, this Lex Luthor. So as he's talking and he's looking for uh, a book, uh, he's looking for a book. We see Otis in the foreground staring at a gum wrapper, of course, trying to unlock the secrets of the universe, which is a great. Ned Beatty's face is fantastic. It's just this dim yeah. comprehension of, of what he's looking. I guess he's looking at Bazooka Joe or something. He's trying to figure out right. what's going on. And it's uh, he thought Luthor said. Uh, N and he meant to say M and he's a nice as L is in ladder and he brings the, the, the ladder back, the kind of things you used to see at uh, Borders books and stuff like that. And then there's this great moment where, uh, after Otis has brought the ladder back, Luthor intentionally steps on Otis's hand yeah. as the ladder swings back. And they did some great Foley sound effects. You could really hear the finger crunching through the whole thing. It's a great sound effect as poor Otis is trying to pull his hand free. We just hear this like, sound. It's, it's it's a very painful sound, as you can imagine. Poor Otis is getting, and his face is turning red. It's it's a great little comedy beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. So then uh, we get Lex finds the book that he's looking for, and they talk about that. Uh, according to records, Krypton exploded in 1948. It took him three years to land. Now, again, 1948, we really are playing fast and loose with the whole notion of the time stream. Because as right. Torrell has said, by the time you land on Earth, I will have been dead many millions of your years. Well, wait a minute. Many millions. Of, that's only 30. 48 is only 30 years ago. So obviously we are dealing with the time stream in a way that really can't really be explained. Right. Well, I kind of get it that, you know, by our standards, it exploded in 1948 because that's around the time he arrived. Because right. Superman is with a hammer home like the hammer at home in this movie. He is 30 years old. I don't know why. They hang such a lantern on that in this movie, but if he was 12 years in the fortress, if he was 18 when he left home, he's 30 years old. And here we go again, 1948 to 1978, he's 30 years old. Yep. You know, it's like, I don't know why that was so important, uh, because I guess Superman in the comics was, uh, according to DC, eternally 30 or under at this right. point. Yeah, so perpetually 29, I think I even saw it in an Answer Man column where they said him and him and Batman are perpetually 29 years old. So right, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, and Which it, I didn't buy back then. No, even. no, I'm like 29. Come on, what are you guys There's doing? There's no way that Robin could have grown up and been. No, that didn't yeah. work. It no, never it worked. Didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it said the, the this segment ends with. Um, Lex asking, why is the number 200 important? And he says, because, Otis, it's your weight and my IQ. <laughs> and uh, initially I was going to say I'm not buying that Ned Beatty is only 200 pounds, that Otis is only 200 pounds. But if our current president can be 239, then Otis can be 200. You know? <laughs> so I'll, I'll accept it. It's fine. Maybe Otis is really short. You know, who knows? And I'm actually surprised that Lex only says his IQ is only 200. I would think for someone who considers himself a super genius, 200's a little on the low scale, really. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. It, well, actually, I think they're both his weight and uh, uh, Otis's weight and Lex's IQ are a little under. Yeah, both. Uh, undermined here by the number. So I, I would say 250 is probably closer to to both numbers. I would suggest, but I think 200 is just. Uh, a more a, a rounder number to say, uh, you know, maybe 300 would have even been further, but I don't know if, if Lex could get away with saying that he was 300 IQ points. A little, little, probably not. Yeah, probably not that. He's not a 12th level intellect like Brainiac, no, you know. No, he's ever. not. So. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, when are they ever going to put Brainiac in one of these movies? Uh, Why is Brainiac, so, they've made how many Superman movies at this point, still have not had Brainiac? What is the deal with that? I think character... 
so fits in. Oh, God. We'll talk about that when we do Superman movie, Superman three movie minute. Why that should have oh, been Brainiac. Yeah, that it should have been and at one point was going to be Brainiac. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, it's ridiculous. There's no Brainiac <laughs> in these movies. It's a great film. So anyway, uh, that's the end of these five minutes. This is, ends with uh, Lex insulting Otis one more time. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I will point out before before we wrap up is – Again, you know, I, I, it looked like we saw all of the, the Lois Superman interview, but there's facts that they rattle off in this that he never mentioned to Lois <laughs> while they were talking. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just kind of funny. It's like, wait a minute, when did that happen? You know, it's kind of like the uh, what we talked about, some of the information they had on uh, Superman's powers uh, yeah. that Lex and, and, and Tess Mocker and Otis were talking about. Uh, so it's, you know, I mean, that's just a conceit of movies and any story, but I think it, in comics, you can kind of say, well, there's some stuff you didn't see. It was off panel, but right. here I kind of feel like we saw the entire Superman Lois date. Yeah, we did. We see it from beginning to end where the takeoff to landing. Yeah. We see every moment and they're clearly not talking while they're flying up in the, uh, above the cloud. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure when Superman imparted that wisdom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe she did a back, you know, follow up, you know, kind of a couple other notes or something. And who knows what went on there. So, but, uh, so yeah, that's the end of these five minutes. And I always enjoy watching these three, these cats and Jammer kids go back and forth with one another. And, uh, so that is going to do it for these five minutes of, uh, of Superman, the movie. Uh, I've, I, I don't know. I enjoy as much as, you know, of course I enjoy watching Superman and Lois. I really get a, a charge out of watching Gene Ackman, Valerie Bryan, and Ned Beatty go at it. They are just, they have such a great energy together. And so uh, I'm, I'm glad that they, you know, it's a great cut to go from the, the sort of gushy romantic stuff to this more hard-bitten rat-a-tat-tat dialogue. I think it's a great, great transition. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it, 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 it kind of, it kind of undercuts the sweetness with some salt, you yeah. know, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's going to do it for Superman Movie Minute. Of course, if you want to find back episodes of the show, go to the website, firewaterpodcast.com, and that's where Chris has a whole bunch of shows with his wife, Cindy, and some with me and some with Ryan, and then I have a whole bunch of shows as well. Now, by the time this episode airs, will uh, Chris, you will have started a new show. Now, you plugged it last time, but plug it one more time because now it's already running. What's that show? That is JLU Cast. That's where my wife Cindy and I cover the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited animated series from the 2000s, uh, produced by Bruce Tim. And of course, it features Superman and Lex Luthor. So uh, there you go. So uh, check it out. And uh, as at this point, uh, we're looking forward to doing it. At the point you hear this, we're doing it and loving it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure I I can confidently say, having not heard the first episode, it was great. I can say that now. I'm absolutely <laughs> confident of that. So, very cool. Yep. And, uh, and as always, we're always talking about Superman movie over on our Twitter feed, which is at Superman Movement. And we must, uh, as always, thank Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer from from uh, Star Wars Movie Minute, Star Wars Minute, uh, for being so generous and allowing us to borrow their format. Thanks, guys. And right now, they're in the middle of uh, Revenge of the Sith. So they are uh, they are knee deep in the uh, the prequel trilogy, and they're going to be wrapping that up, I guess, in a, in a little while, and then they're going to move on to the new movies, which is going to be like super exciting. So um, anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. This country is safe again, Superman, thanks to you. No, sir. Don't thank me, Warden. We're all part of the same team. Night. Night.